This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Wednesday is the day where you separate the contenders from the pretenders in sports talk radio. Wednesday is the day where the people who have the goods bring the goods. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. With that in mind, Carlin out again, not bringing the goods. Uh, <laughs> hilarious story on the links in Florida. Some well-deserved time off. We're going to get this from him tomorrow, but if you look at is it his, Evan, is it his TikTok or his Instagram? His TikTok, apparently he's playing golf. Some guy lives on the golf course. Gabe Neitzel in for Carlin today, by the way. Um, I'm going to do the introduction in a little bit. We'll talk a little bit more, but I, Gabe, I want your thoughts on this. Carlin's playing golf. Guy who lives on the course used to just sit out there handing out shots of fireball to golfers that went by. Apparently got in trouble for it, so he created a system in which he was able to take the shot of fireball, wrap it in a t-shirt somehow, and then he bought a t-shirt cannon and he fires the t-shirts at golfers so they get a t-shirt and a shot of fireball as they're going down the fairway by this guy's house. Wait, is this the this is the golf course slash 2024 version of just putting your 40 in a plas- in a paper bag. There you go. Right? Like that that's what they're doing. They're just, oh, Oh, you don't want me giving out okay, well I'll give out a t-shirt. Oh, what's in the t-shirt? I guess you'll never know. You gotta get a t-shirt in order to find out. Yeah, exactly. This guy's just firing t-shirts at people driving by. Carlin doing an excellent job of investigative journalism, getting to the bottom of everything. The audio on this guy was fantastic. Carlin's filming him from 70 yards away. You can hear every word the guy's saying. I have no idea the technology that was used. We will get more on that tomorrow. But our good friend Gabe Neitzel from Milwaukee, ESPN Milwaukee, filling in today. And he's the perfect guy for today. Because we got a lot to talk about when it comes to the NBA and specifically the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, let's start with this quote. Can you put it up on the screen? Doc Rivers, a couple days ago, all-star game break-ish, has the following comments. If you haven't heard these, these are intricate to the story. He says at the all-star game, he was hoping to start coaching the Bucks after the all-star break. Quote, Taking a job when you're about to go on the toughest road trip of the season is not the smartest decision, Rivers admitted to Fox Sports. Yaron Weitzman, quote, I even told them that, can we wait till after the All-Star break? You know, it would have been a lot nicer, Rivers added. J.J. Redick, who played for Rivers in L.A. with the Clippers, was on first take yesterday and said this about those comments. I've seen the trend now. I've seen the trend for years. What's the trend? The trend is always making excuses. Get Doc, we get it. Taking over a team in the middle of the season is hard. It's hard. We get it. Just like getting traded in the middle of the season is hard for a player. We get it. Mm -hmm. But it's always an excuse. It's always throwing your team under the bus. They lose to Memphis. Oh, it's his players. Memphis was playing G League guys and two-way guys. And then you look at his quotes over the weekend. Now he wants to take credit for the James Harden trade to the Clippers working out. He wants credit for that. There's just no, <laughs> there's never accountability with that guy. Pen drop, not a Oof. mic drop, pen drop. That's a new thing on first take. Gabe, you're the perfect guy for the show today. Perfect guy, strictly by chance. You were scheduled to do this before we were going to have this topic. But you're in Milwaukee. You did the show this morning. Yep. Jen, Gabe, and Chewy, 7 to 9 Central, ESPN Milwaukee. How are you guys reacting to this? Um, I mean, 
not well because things didn't go well for the Bucks, right? They they're three and seven right now under Doc Rivers. Things were supposed to get better for the Bucks, and it seems like things are only getting worse. Whether you look at the the quotes Doc had himself to now JJ Reddick coming after him, like not well because we're all thinking, okay, things are going to get better. Luckily, I do think they are going to get better for the Bucks, just based on some comments that Giannis made. Um, in the athletic today to the athletic reporter for the Bucks, Eric Name, um, just kind of talking about how things have changed. Despite them being three and seven in these 10 games under Doc, some things are changing that makes me think that they're going to be trending in the right direction. Are you in the fan base of the belief that things are going to get better before they get worse? Because right now people are looking at this saying, ugh. Like, you know how we leap to conclusions. If it doesn't work out, Dave could want to be traded. A Giannis could want to be traded. Everyone's trying to link Giannis to the Warriors after the season. Everyone's linking Dame to the Miami Heat once again. On the ground, do you feel it's going to be smoother sailing in the second half of the year? I really do. And, I mean, things could get rocky in their first game because they played the Timberwolves, who kind of boat raced them in Milwaukee just a couple of weeks ago. But then the schedule gets a little bit easier for the Bucks. A couple of games against the Hornets. They got a game against the Joel Embiid-less 76ers. So I think things are going to start trending in the right direction. And Giannis just kind of believes that things are going to get easier from him based on this article in The Athletic. Um, the article says that Giannis... Under Adrian Griffin, who was a first-year head coach, was doing things uh, like walking teammates through drills and practice, drawing up plays, and diagramming actions more than he ever had before. Um, but then later, when just talking about how much respect he has for Doc Rivers, he said this, quote, Coach Doc, he's a great guy. He's been in the league for a lot of years, won a lot of games. Like, when you go to bed, you sleep well at night. Win or lose, you know the coaching staff is going to be prepared. Sounds like he was co- Was he coaching? It, that, that, that's what this article makes it kind of sound like, like he was doing. And, and you saw that if you watch Bucky's, Bucks games, there were times where he had the clipboard in the middle of the huddle <laughs> where he's drawn up the things. And like he, he, apparently they're asking Giannis to do too many things. So hopefully he can just focus to go back to playing basketball. Him and Dame can continue to figure out what the dynamic is between the two of them and having a veteran leader who is doing the bare minimum, according to Giannis, of being prepared is going to point them in the right direction. Oh, that's so good. See, the Sports Talk Radio host in me wants to see this thing crash and burn like in dramatic oh, fashion don't. no i love the bucks too much don't, I, don't do it to me i know nothing personal it's just <laughs> for for from my perspective if, if it's a crash and burn it's great content it's a lot to talk about there are several different avenues is Giannis going to be gone is dame going to be gone but the realist in me sits here and i look at this dame's a professional Giannis is a professional say what you want about rivers he's been around a long time and we live in a society now where we expect everything to be taken care of instantaneously And that's not how it happens. It's not how it happens. Things take time. We're not talking about coming in and taking over the Detroit Pistons and going from 10 wins a season to 14 wins a season. That's an expectation you can have right away, right? That's not asking all that much. But you're talking about a Milwaukee Bucks team that is a legitimate contender for the title. So if you're going to be up to snuff in contending for the title with the way Boston looks, with the way Denver looked last year, you're going to need to get a lot of things right, and it's going to take some time. Given the amount of time between now and the end of the season, I'm fully confident that they can get this thing moving in the right direction. Is it enough to get past Boston? That's the big question. But I think there's more of a likelihood that they become a legit contender in the East before they completely flame out and drop off the map. Do you think that's a fair assessment? I think that's a fair assessment because you 
if, if you kind of read between the lines, and there were times where when Griffin was the coach, Giannis was asking for more accountability from his teammates. Giannis was asking for accountability of, hey, what are we doing defensively from the coaching staff? It, it seems like, and again, the, the quotes today saying that the coaching staff is going to be prepared so I don't have to worry about them. It seems like just having somebody to point them in the right direction is going to trend in, in, in a good direction for the Bucks because they got to the two seed. Doc got to coach the All-Star game based on talent alone from the Milwaukee Bucks. It didn't seem like they were getting much from the coaching staff, kind of reading all these quotes, especially reading some of them in the aftermath of, of Adrian Griffin getting fired. There's too much talent on that team for them not to be one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference behind Boston. And look, if they win a championship this year, that's fantastic. But when you take a look at two guys coming together, the level of Dame and Giannis, it's usually taken some time to figure it out. In the second year of down in Miami of Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, and LeBron James, it was the second year that they won the championship. When you look at LeBron James, again, in Los Angeles, it was the second year that they won a championship out in L.A. Really the only example you have of kind of a super team almost coming together or adding a piece to that are the Golden State Warriors, who already had a really good core, and then added Kevin Durant to it that that led them to a championship. For whatever reason, it takes these guys a little bit of time to figure out the dynamic, especially when it's guys who are, Giannis is used to having the ball in his hands. Dame's used to having the ball in his hands all the time, so how you split that up and how you work together typically has taken some time. He's Gabe Neitzel. I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Carlin versus Joe. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Very rare does a 30-team league have a squad with the seventh-best winning percentage and everyone's asking, what's wrong? What's wrong with the seventh-best team? It's like, hey, it's, if this is what it looks like when it's not working, I shudder to think what it will look like when it is working. Just to lean in quickly here for a moment on some of the wild rumors out there, anyone in Milwaukee nervous about the idea that if it doesn't work out, Dame, Giannis, or both could be looking to uh, go on to greener, I'm not going to say greener pastures, just could be looking for a change of scenery? Perpetually nervous. <laughs> like, we're just perpetually it's nervous in Milwaukee. in Milwaukee. <laughs> it's just how we have to live. Like, we went 50 years between NBA championships. Our baseball team sold, you know, traded away our Cy Young pitcher. It's, just, it's, part of, it's part of being life as a sports fan in Milwaukee. You always have that little bit of nervousness that the really good things aren't going to last for as long as you want them to. I mean, they've got the offense. The key is the defense. Last 25 years, 50 teams have obviously met in the finals for the NBA championship. Of those 50, four. 40 have ranked in the top 10 in defensive efficiency. We talk about it all the time on this show. In the modern NBA, your offense is your floor. Everybody can score points. All right? What the Warriors did from an offensive efficiency standpoint back in 2014, 2015, when they revolutionized the game, so to speak, that offense would rank near the bottom of the NBA in terms of efficiency now. That's how much the game has changed. So where's your defense at? Plenty of room for improvement with the Milwaukee defense. And if that improvement occurs, watch out, because the Celtics will obviously have a legitimate threat to their stake atop the Eastern Conference. He's Gabe Neitzel. I'm Joe Fortenball. Everyone right now wondering why Bears quarterback Justin Fields unfollowed the Bears on Instagram. Thanks to Gabe, we've got the answer. You're going to hear it next. Carlin versus Joe right here on ESPN Radio. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Draft Caleb Williams or keep current starter Justin Fields. They have given thought to the idea, hey, let's just draft the guy at one, have Justin Fields here, and then they can work it from there. This is 100% what they should do. Allow Caleb Williams to develop. Oh, this story is a good one. It's a good one. It's so 2020. It just drips with 2024. He's Gabe Neitzel. I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Bears quarterback Justin Fields, earlier this week, unfollows the Bears on Instagram and then apparently proceeds to follow uh, Atlanta Falcons running back Bijan Robinson, tight end Kyle Pitts, and wide receiver Drake London. Just the juiciest of stuff for all of us. Fields today is a guest on the St. Brown's Brothers podcast the equanimia is it equanimia st brown wide receiver of the chicago bears and amon ross st brown his brother wide receiver the detroit lions the two brothers have a podcast fields appeared on it today we haven't gotten the audio yet but he does explain why he unfollowed the bears on instagram luckily gabe neitzel who's in today hosts a show espn milwaukee had adam schefter on that show earlier today schefter has the scoop as to why take a listen he believes, as he will explain in his words on this particular podcast with the Sam Brown brothers, he believes in his words that that there's too much noise out there. And, and he's trying to just block it all out. So he unfollowed the Bears. He unfollowed the NFL. He unfollowed all the noise that's surrounding his name. Now, uh, that's the explanation he offers. You could buy it, not buy it, believe it, not believe it. That's up to you. All right, I want to break all that down. First question, though, how did Schefter scoop? How did he get this scoop? Did you guys speculate as to this? No, I, although we probably should have. But at this point, like, <laughs> he beat Shefty the podcast. everything, man. Yeah, like, <laughs> Shefty knows everything. Like, when it comes to the NFL, if you want inside information, Shefty knows everything. Who am I to question the great Adam Schefter as to how he gets his information, even though it's on a podcast that has yet to be released? It's incredible. Like, they tease that this answer is coming on this podcast later today. Check it out. And then Schefter goes on your show, and he's like, yeah, I've got the reason. It's like, how did you get that reason? Did you scoop that podcast? Did you somehow get the early? release drop of that podcast 
crazy to me, but those are the things Joe Fortinball thinks about in his spare time. All right, so you guys are breaking this down. Do you believe him? Do you believe this is why he unfollowed the Bears because he's trying to tune out the noise? I think it sounds really good. Like, it sounds fantastic. It sounds like a great reason. Doesn't explain the back half of what you said as to why he then suddenly followed Drake London, suddenly decided to follow Bijan Robinson and Kyle Pitts. Doesn't explain that part. Perhaps an odd coincidence. Yes, it's (laughs) a very strange coincidence. And it's hard to always, like... Just go, oh, this guy stopped on following. Because Kyle Mur- uh, Kyler Murray did the same thing with the Cardinals. He's still the quarterback of the Cardinals. Um, Jair Alexander, cornerback for the Green Bay Packers, had some issues this year, was suspended for a game by the Packers, unfollowed all the stuff up for the Packers. Well, he's still a member of the Green Bay Packers. So sometimes athletes just do this. I don't know if it's they're throwing a temper tantrum, if they don't like one thing that didn't go their way, so they're unfollowing every, everybody. But this seems to be too much noise of he kind of has an idea of maybe what's about to uh, lay out for him in his future since that Bears have the number one overall pick. It feels like maybe this is a follow-up. Maybe I'm out over my skis here. But if he's looking to tune out the noise, could he have just deleted Instagram? Look, man. Is that a possibility or no? I mean, is it a possibility? Sure. But you've, I mean... You've got all these apps on your phone, Joe. That's like you're asking me to delete Twitter or Instagram or one of those. Like I don't know if I can do it. It's I'm, like, not, I'm not on TikTok, so maybe that's more of a Carlin thing. That's a Carlin but, thing. Yeah. So I, I I don't know. I mean, it'd be really hard to kind of delete that app off your phone. I mean, what else are you gonna scroll mindlessly when you're trying to fall asleep at night? Well, I, yeah, as you're trying to fall asleep, so every study on Earth shows that that's what keeps you up. I no, the idea of like, oh man, there's just too much noise. I'm gonna unfollow the NFL. Why? What's the noise? Too many any jersey offers at 30% off? Like, was that the issue? I'm getting too many Navarro Bowman Raider jersey offers at 30% off. I just can't handle it. I got to take the noise out. I'm with you. I love the excuse. I love the reason. I also love the fact that this is how the modern athlete deals with disgruntlement, right? Like the subtle, I'm going to unfollow you, and then someone's going to notice, and it's going to become a story. No longer do you need to leak information to a beat writer or get your agent all fired up working the phones. You just go ahead and unfollow the team, and boom, we've all got a story. Ultimately, how do you think the story ends? Like the idea of unfollowing the Bears and then following three key offensive weapons of the Atlanta Falcons, would you handicap them as the number one landing spot for Justin Fields? I, I would. I think that's a spot. I think the Steelers are certainly a spot to pay attention to. Like Basically, any team that doesn't find themselves in the position of nearing the top 10 or having assets to get themselves into the top 10 to get one of these top quarterbacks, okay, now we have to take a flyer somewhere. We saw the Steelers already take a flyer um, previously you know, on Kenny Pickett. That didn't really seem to work out. We've seen the Falcons try to figure out whether it's Marcus Mariota or then starting Desmond Ritter. Okay, these flyers haven't worked out, but we got to take another flyer on somebody else to try to make that happen. By the way, do we have somebody at ESPN that's like following these athletes? Like, who are these people that are that are noticing that all of a sudden the amount of Great followers question. have gone down? Like, is that part of Evan's job? Is is Evan Wilner like monitoring this and then suddenly seeing that he's picked up? Oh, now he's also following these three people. Like, whose whose job is it? Do we have people at ESPN that are doing this? Feels like a handman job. Handman, are you monitoring mm. all fa- all of these thousands of accounts to see if the numbers are fluctuating? Yeah, all you got to do is go into the uh, following section of the the player and then search Bears, like Chicago Bears or at Bears. And then, and then it, you know, yeah, it's easy. You're just doing that all day? You know, when there's stories, yeah. Is it more likely that the player goes ahead and leaks to someone like, hey, I unfollowed, why don't you go ahead and get that started? Like, does that happen? 
that's probably more likely. <laughs> there are there are a lot look, of people that will be checking those things. There are. It's a big story out there. If there's one thing I think we can all agree on, there are a lot of weird people out there. There are a lot of people who have way too much time on their hands that can monitor things like this. That, I think, should answer your question, Gabe. You know what? You're 100% right. Because we had, so Jen Latta, who's one of my co-hosts on the Milwaukee show I do, as you mentioned, she took a trip to Cabo recently and booked two flights, the second of which you could not book through the airline she chose because it was too tight of a window to try to make the connecting flight. (laughs) And so she decides to do this. She tells the story on the air. We had people following, people who are fans of our show, following her flight to Atlanta to see if she would make the connection flight. Like people, people, if if they care enough, they will certainly follow anything, including a host of a show they liked their flight to see if they can make a connection. Um, you know, to, so they can make it to Cabo love for their it. vacation. I absolutely love it. Just love it. That the, and those are the people that make our jobs easier because they give us the information that we might, might not be able to come across. Speaking of wit, speaking of weirdos, Evan Wilner, uh, <laughs> and man, back there laughing. <laughs> There are odds on the next uh, team for Justin Fields. Yeah, and the odds, the the Steelers. I'm assuming these are offshore. Uh, no, they're 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 here. These are local. Yeah, these are American. Yeah, interesting. Okay, go ahead. They're not ESPN bet, but you know, close. Um, so when Schefter, like a couple weeks ago, hinted at Mike Tomlin being a big fan of Fields, at that point the Steelers were minus one twenty five to be the favorites. After Fields. Was uh, had been discovered to have followed London, Pitts, and Robinson. Here we go. The, the the Falcons then became the favorites. They went from plus two seventy five to plus one fifty. The Falcons are now minus one thirty at this sportsbook. So they've gone from two seven plus two seventy five to minus one thirty in the last few days, just based on the social media sleuthing. Now you got the hamster on the wheel. Hamsters on the wheel in my head. Just where, where's the where's the value? What are we gonna do here? Atlanta show, makes so much sense. That would show the values at the Steelers at plus 350. Oh, Atlanta makes so much sense. That's what I'd be thinking. News like this happens. Odds mm-hmm. flip. Go the other way to Pittsburgh. You're getting the better price there because they're in the race. But Atlanta, Atlanta's got weapons. People don't realize Atlanta was was really good last year outside of having horrific quarterback play. They brought in a good head coach in Raheem Morris. If they solve the quarterback position, and they don't need to be great there, Gabe, but if they're decent at quarterback, they got weapons on offense, and they have a very good defense, especially in the red zone last year. They just kind of folded up shop late in the year when they were eliminated, but that's a team that can make a very quick turnaround if they get competent coaching and competent quarterback play. Especially, as you mentioned, in that division. Yeah. Like, in that division, you don't have to be a 12-win team to win it. No. You get the double-digit wins. You get to 10-7. You be a 12-loss team and win it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking more 10-7, and seven, but sure. Probably. See, Probably you, more you accurate. The other way. But <laughs> that's all they need. And I think Justin Fields has shown enough that he can be that competent quarterback. I don't know if Justin Fields is ever going to be a top-10 guy in the league, but if you're just talking about competent quarterback play, yeah, that makes a ton of sense for the Falcons. If he goes there... I mean, you may want to get the odds on the Falcons winning the division. Like, that that might be where you want to look. What are the odds for the Falcons to win the division right now? Jump on that, because that might have more value than him going to the Falcons at minus 130. I actually, I already played 50-1 to for the Super Bowl. And I'm, that, look, like people are going to be like, oh my God, they're going to win this. This guy is going nuts. Listen, I'm not saying they're going to win the Super Bowl, but if you get 50-1... to and you beat the move and they bring in a quarterback, then it goes to what, 30, 35 to 1? A, yep. value. 
B, if they get to the playoffs, you get hedging opportunities. You can start betting against them for small amounts, and if they keep winning, you just increase the bet against them. You end up locking in profit. This is more of an advanced level course. We'll get into this somewhere down the line, maybe in the doldrums of July. But you know what we're thinking. He's Gabe Neitzel. I'm Joe Fortinball. The Milwaukee Bucks, 3-7. and seven through the first 10 games of the Doc Rivers era. Someone who spoke with Doc about the slow start, he's going to join us next. Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Personally, I, you know, I, I'll be honest, I, I told our owners uh, when they called, I said, I think you, I don't understand why you're doing this, you know, um, and they said, you know, one of the things they said was, well, it doesn't matter, We're, we've done it now, and um, we, we, we want you, and, and so that was a tough one, I didn't, I, that was, that's where you had the hesitation. That's Bucks head coach Doc Rivers on Frank Isola's Sirius XM NBA radio show alongside Gabe Neitzel. I'm Joe Fortenball joining us right now. Frank Isola, how about that? The magic of radio and the theater of the mind that we like to play around these parts. Frank, we appreciate your time. Let's jump right into it here. What do you make all the noise surrounding Doc Rivers coming out of the All-Star break as the Bucks begin a very serious second half push? Yeah, I think it was a good job by Sirius releasing that audio on a Tuesday when it's like kind of a dead period in sports, a bit of dead period in the NBA. So it got, uh, you know, it obviously got a lot of views. But, you know, I, I think Doc's saying that that's more about, you know, I think he wants to make sure that people don't think that he had something to do with Adrian Griffin being let go. He was, you know, serving as a consultant, I guess, with Adrian Griffin and probably the Bucks. So I think, I think it's more about that, you know, him telling that story. I think, I think he doesn't want it out there that, you know what, I had something to do with Adrian Griffin getting fired. I, you know, I, I think Doc's more worried about his reputation there, trying to do the right thing by Adrian Griffin. So, Frank, the Bucks are 3-7 and seven right now under Doc Rivers. Tough schedule, admittedly, but how do the Bucks turn things around here in the next 25 games as they get ready for the postseason? Yeah, well, the last thing they played was Memphis on the road, and, you know, Memphis has, you know, most of their roster is hurt, including... John Morant. That was a terrible loss right before the All-Star break. And the biggest thing, they don't play defense. But if you look at the team that they had built, they had a team that was built around, um, you know, Giannis, obviously, but the idea that Drew Holiday was going to be the point guard. So they already made a lot of moves until the trade came along for Damian Lillard. So by adding Damian Lillard, you were getting rid of a good two-way player in Drew Holiday and adding, an obviously, a terrific offensive player. So offensively, they're good. I mean, you know, the chemistry between Giannis and Damian Lillard could be better. But it's a bit of an older, slower team, and they're just not good enough defensively. That, that's been the biggest issue right now with the Milwaukee Bucks. And I know, Doc, if you listen to him after all the games that they played, he tries to point out, no, no, we're getting better defensively. Even the first game that he coached when they lost to Denver, he pointed out that defense wasn't the problem. But if you look at the last five minutes of the game, they couldn't get stopped. So it's still going to come down to that, uh, you know, whether or not they can defend if they're going to go far in the playoffs. They have a good enough record. They're going to be a top-six team. But I think when everyone looks at the so-called contending teams in the NBA, Milwaukee is the one you know, with a lot of question marks. Obviously, Embiid is a question mark because of Philadelphia because he's injured. But when people look at the Bucks, they just don't know if that combination of Giannis and Lillard 
surrounded by guys that aren't great defensive players are going to be enough to win four playoff series. That's very well said. Frank Isola, Sirius XM NBA Radio. You catch him on Around the Horn. He's joining us here, Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. Yesterday, we were doing a little game comparing NBA teams to NFL teams. As you said, it's a Tuesday, so we're making content around these parts. Uh, Boston drew the comparison to the San Francisco 49ers. Best team in the conference. Path looks set up pretty well with a lot of contenders having big question marks. If not now, when? That's the line we use for Kyle Shanahan and the Niners. That's the line we're using for the Boston Celtics. How much pressure is on Boston to finish the deal this year? There's a lot, but I would also say about those comparisons, there's no Michael Jordan, i.e. there's no Patrick Mahomes standing in their way. True. So they do have the most talent. I would think the biggest issue for them will be uh, Chris Tapps Przingis because Chris Tapps Przingis is a very good player. He does have a lot of injury issues over the years. He gets hurt a lot. And I think they I think a lot of these games that he misses, you know, there were been a couple where he's twisted his ankle, but a lot of times they hold him out. You know, they held him out for their their game last Tuesday against the Brooklyn Nets, and then the following night he played and Jalen Brown was held out along with Al Orford. So they kind of have the benefit of doing that because their record is so good. They should finish with the best record in the Eastern Conference. Last year, I thought they had the most talent. Even though Milwaukee had the best record, they got to a game seven against Miami, and then they completely fell apart at home. The one thing you have to remember about Boston, you know, Tatum and Brown are really young. They've played in a ton of big games. They've been on a bunch of conference finals. They've already been to an NBA finals. They're certainly good enough to win. I would think right now, if you're looking at all the teams, they have to be the favorite just because they do have experience, and Drew Holiday is their point guard, has championship experience. Clearly, the team is built to win now. Could their bench be a little bit better? Perhaps. But if they're healthy, they'll be tough, because Tatum is an all-world type of talent. Jalen Brown is more than good enough to be your second guy. They're not a great passing team, so to speak. They do rely also a lot on three-pointers. But I got a chance to see them play in person last Tuesday. It's like an old-school NBA team. They're massive. You know, they, they have just big guys on their team. You know, when you have Tatum and Brown as your wing players with um, Drew Holiday, I'll use a football analogy, the guy's built like a linebacker. He can basically guard every position on the court. (laughs) I think right this minute, with less than 30 games to go for every team, I think they're the favorite. Speaking of all-world talent, Kevin Durant recently coming out saying that the reason why he's not viewed as a leader, that's the media's fault. It's a narrative coming out of the media. What did you make of those comments? Well, you know, it's it's weird. There are two. There are so many different types of leadership. You know, when I I covered the Knicks for a long time, and I was there for Patrick Ewing's last X amount of season, it was like five or six. Patrick Ewing was not a vocal leader, but you know, he practiced every day. He played hurt, and he played hard every single night. So that was Patrick Ewing's form of leadership. That you know, he was going to show up. You know, I got to do Kevin Durant's uh, games on the S Network. You know, during their pre and post game stuff. So I got to see every game he plays for the Brooklyn Nets. And Kevin Durant, when he plays, plays the right way. I mean, the guy plays hard. He defends. He's unselfish. He's a big-time scorer. He's willing to take big shots at the end of games. But I do think, you know, when stuff is going on behind the scenes, then he doesn't really want to get involved in that. I think, you know, there was a dispute between James Harden and Kyrie Irving. I think they were clashing a little bit. I don't know. Would, would a, should a superstar player in that moment kind of step in and try to solve things? I would think so, because I think trading hard and getting Ben Simmons back has not helped the Brooklyn Nets. I think you can make the case, in fact, that it's hurt them. Ben Simmons never plays. So that type of leadership, you have to question, and not to kill Kyrie Irving here, but if, you, if you're Kevin Durant and you left Oklahoma City, a championship-level team, to go join a 73-win um, Golden State Warrior team, you win two championships there, you're actually leaving Steph Curry to go play for Kyrie, with Kyrie Irving? 
Steph Curry is about as low maintenance of a superstar as you can get. The guy's still a brilliant player, so that part made no sense. So you you kind of put yourself out on a limb to go play with Kyrie and try to win a championship in Brooklyn, but then like I, I think sometimes he does shy away from some leadership type of things that would help kind of off the court and behind the scenes. On the court, no question about it, he's a leader. Frank Isola, Sirius XM, NBA Radio, around the horn, joining us here, Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. Speaking of the Suns, 15-1 to 1 to win the NBA title right now. Are you buying KD and the big three to figure it out in time to make a run through the West? Oh, they definitely can figure it out. And I think they did a good job at the trade deadline, bringing in Royce O'Neal. They, you know, they, they've uh, signed other players as well. They're, they're really good. The big issue will be, as you guys know, you know, Kevin Durant has dealt with a lot of injuries over his career, a lot of leg injuries. That, you know, that impacted him last year. Bradley Beal has had injuries. He's dealing with a back injury. When the three of them play together, they're really tough. And it's interesting about the Western Conference. Right now, Minnesota's in first place. Oklahoma City, if they're not second, they're third. And not a lot of people are thinking that they can win three playoff series and get to a finals. Maybe one of them can get to a conference finals. But I think out West, I think it's the Clippers, Denver, and Phoenix. I think one of those three teams is going to be in the NBA Finals. And Phoenix, if those three guys are healthy, I mean, they're difficult you know, to try to defend because Devin Booker is so darn good. You know, Kevin Durant is still a great, great player. And Bradley Beal went healthy. Look at how good they've been with the three of those guys out there. No, no belief in Minnesota or OKC? I like both teams, but, you know, when you haven't gone through it, it's tough. And, you know, unfortunately for them, like let's say Minnesota finishes first and you end up drawing Golden State or the Lakers (laughs) in the first round. You know, that's going to be tough, man. It's like, you know, you're going to get LeBron and Anthony Davis or in the case of the Golden State Warriors. Should it be fair? The Golden State Warriors have done much better over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Ever since they started going with uh, Brandon Pajemski down the stretch of games, and now they're even bringing Klay Thompson off the bench and Draymond being back. I love Draymond cracks me up. You know, Draymond, you know, we're all thinking he's going to be out of the league with what happened about six weeks ago. Now he's sitting on top of the world. He's in commercials. He's doing the TNT broadcast. And he even said, there, my suspension helped us in the long run. So only, <laughs> only Draymond can turn some of the worst things into a good thing. Dynamic stuff. Frank Isola, Sirius XM NBA radio around the horn. Joining us here, Carlin versus Joe. Thank you, Frank. We appreciate the time. Thanks, guys. Give it a good work. <laughs> Carlin versus Joe is presented by Progressive Insurance. Protect your home and auto save when you bundle. Get a quote at Progressive.com. The one team that could completely flip what happens at the top of the NFL draft and no, it is not the Chicago Bears. That's next. He's Gabe Neitzel. I'm Joe Fortenball. This is ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. The 2024 NFL Draft on ESPN Radio. Are you ready? Live from the heart of downtown Detroit, Michigan. The Detroit Lions select. It all begins with round one, Thursday, April 25th. The NFL Draft is now officially open. The countdown rolls on. The 2024 NFL Draft on ESPN Radio, ESPN, and on ABC. So many people post-Super Bowl in this industry start talking about how things get so much tougher. Content creation, what are we going to talk about? What discussions are we going to have? I think just the opposite. 
Gabe, I don't know if you're with me or not. I think this is one of the most fun times of year because we've got stuff flying at us from every different angle, and it's on us to sort through the best stuff to share with the listeners. I get a kick out of this stuff. 100%. Yeah. I mean, during football season, you know, oh, we've got this big game coming up or this big game just happened. We're going to talk about what happened off it. It's formulaic. And don't get me wrong, I still love talking about of this course. stuff. But you can get through some wild theories here and have a lot of fun with them. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, Rodgers on McAfee, we know when that's coming. We're like rolling audio on that. As soon as that ends, we're ready to rock and roll. Football season has a very solid script to it. This is the time of year where people in our industry, we get to experiment with a lot of different things. We have a lot of different stories. And this one right here is a lot of fun. Matt Miller, good friend of the show, ESPN draft analyst. He tweeted this recently, quote, the Patriots should not draft a quarterback at number three overall. This roster isn't ready for a rookie quarterback and would just set his development back. This isn't Houston with a Hall of Fame left tackle and solid supporting cast. This is closer to Carolina, and we saw how that worked out. End quote. That's Matt Miller, ESPN draft analyst. I'll throw it to you. What do you make of those comments? It's a bit interesting. Well, I mean, did they have a solid supporting cast or did the solid supporting cast? They had some nice pieces, certainly, but I feel like their draft class ended up having a lot of that solid supporting class for C.J. Stroud, going out and getting Will Anderson defensively. Tank Dell was a big part of that team before he suffered his injury at the end of the season. So I think some of that supporting cast also came from this. Like, if you love a quarterback to me, you got to go out and get him. Did did the New England? Excuse me. Did the Indianapolis Colts have a great supporting cast for Peyton Manning his first year? Absolutely not. Now Peyton was a special guy, clearly, who was able to overcome all the interceptions he threw that first year, and then go on to have the Hall of Fame career that he did. But if you love a quarterback at the at, in this draft, if you're sitting there and you're the Patriots at three and you're licking your chops because you think Drake May is falling to you. You have to take Drake May. I don't know what next year's quarterback class is going to look like. Everybody's been looking forward to this one. Because then, let's say you're ready next year. Okay, now we've got the supporting cast in place. And then you look at the draft class, and Kenny Pickett's the one at the top of it. Like That, that doesn't set you up for, for success either. Exactly. And I think it's an interesting note on behalf of Miller, because when you use Carolina as the example, that was a disaster. You now have a young quarterback who's probably got a lot going on in his head, what a waste of a rookie season. He's already getting ready to move to his second head coach, second play caller. There's a lot there. There's a lot there that can stunt the development of a young, highly thought of prospect. But conversely, this is where you got to believe in your coaching staff, right? Like mm-hmm. if you're New England and you go to Gerard Mayo, 20 plus years of Belichick, you're going to turn the page and start a new era, but you're going to have Mayo start with Mac Jones in year four. What happens if Mac Jones has another bad year? Then you're thinking to yourself, all right, it's been four years. Mac Jones isn't the guy. So you're going to need to get a new quarterback in there, which means year two of the Gerard Mayo experience is going to be the second quarterback in as many years. And now you're going to have to build that thing up. And now you're already going to, it just, it feels a little clunky, right? Get the new coach, pair him with the new quarterback. No one has any expectation whatsoever, given that Rodgers is coming back. Josh Allen is still in the division. Miami's a pretty solid outfit. Rookie coach, rookie quarterback, give him time. And if you get a surprise like Houston, fantastic. But if not, you've got time. Well, and because Mac Jones is still there, if you wanted to go a different route, say the way that you know Kansas City Chiefs decided to sit Patrick Mahomes for a year, 
You could also do that. Like, okay, you know what? This guy needs just a little bit more time. Maybe you start him half of the way season through. But it gives you options as to what to do. If, if there's a quarterback you like... now. It's a different story if you're the, the Patriots scouting staff and you're looking at, you know, Drake May or Gene Daniels, whoever ends up falling to you at three, and you're like, ah, I really don't like him. The only quarterback we do really like is Caleb Williams, and he's not on the board for you at three, then yeah, then trade back, get more assets makes by sense. all means. Then that makes sense. But if you like one of those one of those three guys, don't let the rest of the roster dictate what you do with that position. No, it's your job to build up around them. It's easier to go out and solve some of that in free agency in the draft than it is to go find a franchise quarterback in free agency. How many of those guys are out there? You think Patrick Mahomes is getting to the free agent market? You think Justin Herbert's getting to the free agent market? No. He's Gabe Neitzel. I'm Joe Fortinball. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. So, on top of this, Field Yates, ESPN NFL draft analyst, he joins Mina Kimes on the Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny. He had his thoughts on what the Patriots should do at three. Take a listen to this. Even if you just added like Marvin Harrison Jr. or Roma Dunes and Malik Neighbors, like they're still so far away that the advantage you're gathering uh, from having one of those players is sort of neutralized that I would just take whoever quarterback three is. You and I both know, though, there's very few things in life that football teams like more than certainty. So if there is a certainty that you can acquire Justin Fields for something that's not the third overall pick in the draft, maybe the team would explore it. I would be an advocate against such a maneuver, but the Patriots may also have a different evaluation of quarterbacks two and three than I do and say to themselves, well, if we're not guaranteed our guy or one of our two guys, then we might pivot. All right, so Gabe, this speaks into what you were just talking about a moment ago. If you're at three and your guy isn't there, even if Drake May's there but he's not your guy, the idea of Justin Fields, does that become appealing to the Patriots, at least in your opinion, if you're calling the shots? I think it has to. Like, you've got to take a flyer on somebody, don't you? I think we've already arrived, and I know I just pitched the idea of maybe Mac Jones being that that stopgap, but I think they already know that Mac Jones isn't their quarterback of the future. Maybe he can start for them for another season, but you're looking at, you know, okay, if you're not in love with anybody at three, maybe take a flyer on somebody else. Take a flyer on, on Justin Fields to see if he can help you kind of, you know, become that team that you want to be with the new head coach and all these different things going on. It's, man, I, I, I would, yes, take a flyer on Fields if you don't love May, but at the same time, I can understand why you would take a quarterback there at three to reset the quarterback clock. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot. I want to see what you're made of here. Gabe Neitzel from ESPN Milwaukee getting his chance to get the wildest possible take out there. All right, get loose. Are you wearing camo today, by the way? Is that camo? Yeah, it's like, I don't know if it's like a black and white camo type thing. Yeah, that's, you know, a nice little hoodie. It's Wisconsin. It makes sense. Just figured I'd follow (laughs) up on that. All right, here's what we're going to do. Top three in the NFL draft right now. Chicago one, Washington two, Patriots three. What is the order one, two, three on draft night when it's all said and done? Who are those three picks? In order. And if you get it wrong, that's it. Career's over, prison for five years. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm no longer allowed to come back and and host the show. I get it. (laughs) High Um, standards on this show. All predictions (laughs) must be accurate. Uh, I am going to say Commanders won. Okay, so Commanders go up. Yes, I think the Commanders, especially, there's just too much smoke there with the Bears and does does Williams want to go there, all those different things. So I'll say Commanders 1, Bears 2, man, I I am going to stick with the Patriots 3. I think the only big thing that happens is we're going to flip 2-1 and one, and then you're still going to have the top 3. It just gets a little jumbled. Okay, a little flip-flop there. I like it. I want to believe Atlanta's going to end up in that top 3 if it's not Fields, but I have to project whether or not they get Fields. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say Atlanta comes up. I would like to see someone get past Washington for number one. 
So Washington stays two. I'll go Atlanta one. I made the case for the Raiders. I just don't think the Raiders will do it. I think the Raiders need to make the splash better than anyone else. But we'll go Atlanta one. We'll go Commanders two. And then we'll go New York Giants three. Ooh. Patriots slide back. They, they end up taking like J.J. McCarthy or something like that. I'll throw that out there for now. If that doesn't hit, I didn't say it with a lot of confidence, we'll never revisit it. If it does hit, I want that everywhere. Every network imaginable, leading first take and get up. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.